Please take your Bibles and turn back to the book of Psalms, uh, to Psalm 67 tonight. Psalm 67. We're taking a brief break from our look at the Ten Commandments. Um, I will not be preaching next week. I think, Lord willing, uh, Kelly Moore will be uh, preaching. But we're taking a brief break from the Ten Commandments. We'll pick back up uh, early in November. Um, but we've been thinking about the worship of God, uh, the honor of God in the Ten Commandments. And Psalm 67 picks up on that theme, but shows us that this, the worship of God is for peoples from every tribe and tongue and nation and language. Um, we've also been seeing Psalm 67 fulfilled in the book of Acts as we're making our way through the book of Acts in the morning sermons. And so I trust that the Lord will encourage us and bless us as we look together at Psalm 67 tonight. Once again, please give your careful attention to uh, the living and active sword of the spirit, the word of God. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Amen. Let us pray together. God, we do ask that you would bless us. Be gracious to us and shine your face upon us even now as we come together to your word. Uh, give us understanding and faith and soft hearts to receive your truth and to look upon our Savior and to live by faith, live according to your word. And Father, we ask that the peoples would praise you. Let them praise you. Let us praise you and many, many more. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. What is the purpose of history? What's the purpose of history? Not history class, not the study of history, but world history. What is the purpose of it? Does this answer come to mind when you hear that question? The praise of God from all peoples. The purpose of history is the praise of God from all peoples. That's the answer that Psalm 67 gives us, that God would be glorified by making his way and his salvation known among all nations, and that they would praise him. This is the message of Psalm 
67. We could think of Psalm 67 as the Great Commission in song, or the Great Commission in the Old Testament. Psalm 67 is, hallowed be your name and your kingdom come in song. And as I hope we'll see, it is an echo of the heart of the promise of the covenant of grace first given to Abram. But the question for us tonight is, where do you and I fit in? What's your part? What is my part in this great purpose? And do you know this God? And do you know his purpose? And do you live for his purpose and his glory? Do you praise this God? And are you seeking for others to praise him as well? Have you been blessed by this God? Have you been saved by him? Well, if so, Psalm 67 tells you your purpose then must be God's purpose. You are blessed in order to be a blessing. You are blessed and saved in order to seek God's kingdom and his glory in this world among all peoples. Uh, to long for and live for his praise among all peoples. That is the call and the challenge tonight from Psalm 67 for all of us tonight. People of God, Psalm 67 calls you to live for God's purpose. To long for his purpose. To live for this purpose and long for this purpose. And that purpose is the praise from, from people from all around the world. Praise from all peoples. This is our purpose. This is what we ought to long for. As this is God's purpose. Well, let us think about that together as we look at Psalm 67. And I want us to consider first the opening plea. Uh, the plea in the opening lines, or the prayer. Look again with me at verse 1. May God be gracious to us, and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us. The opening lines of this psalm are a plea for God to bless his people, to be gracious and merciful, and make his face to shine upon them. And this request for God's grace and his mercy and his blessing um, is really a recognition that we are sinful and that we don't deserve this, but that we need God's mercy and we need his blessing. We need his forgiveness. We need his undeserved favor, his grace. And I want you to notice in these words, notice how this plea is an echo of the ironic blessing in number six. Sometimes you'll hear Pastor Friedley or myself at the end of the service use those words. But there in number six, the, the priest would bless God's people with those words and put God's name and put his promise on them. And Psalm 67 takes that benediction and turns it into a plea, turns it into a prayer. Lord, do this for your people. Lord, shine your face upon us. And think about that expression, shine your face upon us. That expression is used to describe God's favor, his blessing. Think of it as, as God's smile, if you will. A smile expresses kindness and favor. A frown or, or hiding your face, looking away, expresses the opposite. And the Bible uses that expression as well. So, 
Uh, Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. When God hides his face, uh, it's an expression of displeasure. And so the plea for God to shine his face on us is a request for his presence and his pleasure. Lord, be with us and love us. Delight in us. Bless us. But as you hear that plea, that that prayer, you need to know that the only way for God to do that for sinners is by his grace. The only way for God to do that for sinners is through a sinless mediator in whom he always takes full pleasure and on whom he always shines his face. It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ that God can shine his face on sinners. For God to shine his face on us, he must save us. He must forgive our sins. He must look on us through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only in and through Jesus that we can feel the warmth of his shining face. Apart from Christ, God hides his face from us. He takes no pleasure in us. He is not with us. He does not bless us. And so we need to see that this plea is ultimately answered only in the Lord Jesus Christ, whom God turned his face from in our place on the cross, as we just read about in John 19, so that he might shine his face on us as forgiven sinners clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Now, this is not just a plea for the forgiveness of sins. It's really for the whole package. It's it's a plea for God to be our God, to be our saving God, forgiving us, making us new, being with us. And that's what his blessing is. That is what we need. That is what we must want and pray for. And friends, the good news is that is that is what we get and that is what we have in Jesus Christ. But before we move on from this opening plea, just notice how this plea is, is a corporate plea. It's a corporate prayer. We as God's people need God and his blessing together corporately. It says, God be gracious to us. Bless us. Make your face to shine upon us. Well, they needed and we need God's gracious blessing as sinners. God has given that to us in Christ. But there's a bigger reason. There's a higher purpose for this plea. And I want us to consider that second tonight, the purpose. The purpose. Look again with me at verse 2 as the psalm goes on. They've just made this plea in verse 1, and then they give the reason or the purpose. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Why do God's people plead for his blessing? Well, they need it themselves, certainly as sinners, but there's more than just that. They plead for this because they also want to see his blessing And his grace go beyond them. They want to be blessed in order to be a blessing. The purpose of the plea is that the salvation of God would be known beyond just them. Beyond just Israel. 
that it would be known among all nations. And this was always God's purpose. This was his original purpose. This is not an add-on. This is not a a new, new idea. This is not a parenthesis in his ultimate plan for Israel. But this was his ultimate plan and purpose from the beginning for the whole earth. And Psalm 67 is picking up on that plan that And the covenant promise first made to Abraham way back in Genesis 12. He was Abram at that time. And God came to him and said, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God's purpose in choosing and calling Abram was not just to bless him, and his little family, but to bless all the families of the earth. And Abram, and then in successive generations, Israel, they were blessed to be a blessing. But, but how and why? Well, ultimately through the Messiah, through Jesus, through Abram's seed. And it was through Abram and Israel that God would prepare the world for and then actually bring Jesus, the Messiah, through whom, through whom he would bring salvation, not just for Israel, but for all who would believe in him, from all nations. And the prophet Isaiah looked forward to this day. He spoke about the coming Messiah in Isaiah 59, verse 6, and said, It is too light, speaking to the Messiah, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant just for Israel, I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. God's purpose in choosing and blessing Abraham and Israel was to bless ultimately the nations. That his ways would be known on earth and his salvation among the nations. God used the exact same words when he reminded Abraham of his covenant promise in Genesis 22. He said, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And the words nations and peoples here in our psalm are somewhat technical. They refer to non-Israelites, Gentiles, the heathens, non-Jews, those who are not from the line of Abram. And what Israel often, so often got wrong was to think that they were ultimate. But here in Psalm 67, they get it right. They were looking beyond themselves. They were seeing God's fuller plan of redemptive history. They're looking forward to the Messiah, to the fulfillment of the promises given to Abram. A day of people from all nations coming to know and worship and be saved by the one true God through the Messiah, Jesus. And so one of the great purposes of God's blessing and saving and shining his face on them was to do it for others as well, was to extend his grace to many, many more. And friends, the same is true for you and for me. We are saved and blessed by the grace of God in Christ, not just for our own eternal blessedness and and our own eternal good, but we are blessed also to be a blessing. 
We are blessed so that God would save others. You are blessed in order to take part in God's purpose of saving a multitude of undeserving sinners from all over the world. And so the song goes on to plead for that purpose to be fulfilled. Look at verse 3 and 4. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. And then verse 5 is simply another repetition of verse 3. Lord, do this. Let the peoples praise you. Literally, let them thank you. Let them respond to salvation with grateful praise. Lord, you have saved me. You've saved us. Do this for others. Do this for for those who are so far away from me. Let them praise you as well. Those who are still outside, those who do not yet know you, those who do not yet know your way, those who don't know the way, uh, Jesus. Brothers and sisters, this is to be our prayer and our purpose as well. And I want to ask you tonight, do you plead this way? Do you think about this? Do you pray for peoples that you don't even know that are perhaps on the other side of the world that they would praise your God? Do you long for his purpose to be fulfilled? Is this purpose your purpose? Notice in verse 4 the reason given for why nations should be glad and sing for joy. It seems a little bit strange. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Why should others praise our God? Because he is king of all the earth. Because he's judge, he's ruler, he's guide and governor, and he is a good one. He does it with equity and righteousness. And nowhere in this world or in any of the nations of the world can you find such a ruler. But he really is the creator and ruler of the world, and judgment is coming. He will judge. And that's either a terrifying reality for those who don't know him and reject him, and it's a call for them to repent and to be saved, or it is really good news, a most joyful reality for which they should be glad, and we should be glad and sing. Friends, God's purpose in this world. His purpose in history is his glory. His purpose in your life is his glory. His purpose in saving you, his purpose in saving his church, his purpose for this church is his glory. And one of the great ways he glorifies himself is through saving people from everywhere to the ends of the earth. People who will praise and glorify him, who will be glad in him and sing for joy. And if he has saved and blessed you as a part of his people, if you are truly glad in him, if he is really the judge and king, then your plea, the the passion and purpose of your life, our life collectively, 
must be let the peoples praise you. God, let peoples praise you. Let others be glad. Let them sing. Let them know. Let them know your salvation. Let them know your way. God, let the people of Colorado, let the people of Colorado Springs, the United States, Canada, Mexico, France, China, Palestine, the the ends of the earth, all nations, let them know and praise you. That is God's purpose. That is why he blesses you, his people. And friends, that purpose, the purpose of God, will be accomplished. It surely will be accomplished. And so this psalm ends with a promise. It ends on a note of confidence. Let's consider that third tonight, the promise. Look at verse 6 and 7. The earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. You notice how Psalm 67 opens with a plea and it ends with a promise. It says, God bless us at the beginning. And by the end it's saying, God will bless us. God shall bless us. And this blessing is pictured in verse 6 as this bountiful harvest. The earth has yielded its increase. It's brought forth crops fruit, produce. And uh, this really is the people of the earth, the nations of the earth. They are the fruit of the gospel. Those who bow and come to believe and worship God. They will know, they will hear and believe and be blessed. And they shall praise him. And that's the note that Psalm 67 ends on. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. And, And grammatically, it's actually a prediction, a statement. Literally, it's, it's all the ends of the earth shall fear him. They shall fear God, the true God, the king of kings. And Psalm 67 is so confident that these pleas will be answered and God's purpose is accomplished. It says this will happen. And in verse 6, it's pictured as if it's already done. It's in the perfect tense. The earth has yielded. It's yielded this plentiful worldwide harvest. God, our God, will bless us. And he will bless others. The ends of the earth will fear him. And the reason it can end on a confident crescendo with this promise was because it was God's promise all along. It was his promise to his people in Numbers chapter 6. It was his promise to Abram. And on down through the pages of scripture, he will bless all the nations. It was his promise through Isaiah in Isaiah 55, 10 and following. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed. And Jesus Christ came in fulfillment of these promises, and he's restated the promise. Jesus put it this way, I will build my church. 
The book of Acts starts with Christ's commission to carry out that promise, to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, and it closes with the words of Acts 28, 28. Let it be known that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, to the nations. Paul spoke in Colossians 1 of the gospel bearing fruit and increasing in the whole world. God promised and he has been fulfilling that promise. He has been carrying out his purpose And we can lay hold of this promise that he will build his worldwide church, his people. He will bless his people. He will save and draw forth glad praise from every last one of his chosen people. And he will be exalted among the nations. And in Revelation, he gives us a trailer of this, a preview of of the fulfillment Revelation 5, 9, speaking of the Lamb, the the heavenly creatures cried out, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people from God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God. Friends, we know how history ends. We know how this story ends ends. God wins. He is victorious. He accomplishes his plan. He saves his people all over the world and they worship and glorify him forever. They are glad and they sing for joy. The peoples praise him. God blesses us and all the ends of the earth fear him and are blessed. Nothing can stop this. Nothing will stop this. But in the meantime, here is our song. Here's our work. Here is our prayer and our purpose as God's people, his purpose. Brothers and sisters, believe this promise. Labor in this harvest. God our God shall bless us. And so let us serve him and worship him with confidence and joy. If the Old Testament believer singing this psalm and looking forward to Jesus and the spread of the gospel could be so confident and have such faith, how much more should we? And now that we have seen Christ come, now that we are seeing these promises fulfilled all over the world, well, that leads us then to consider how do we live out this missionary hymn, this purpose this lofty ideal, this grand plan that is set forth for us here. How do we practice this? Let's consider fourth and finally as we close tonight, the practice. And uh, we could spend a long time here. Um, This this takes a lifetime um, to figure this out, but I want to just make four points of practice uh, to call us to from Psalm 67. How do we live this out? How are we a part of this? Well, first of all, and this may be the most important, you and I must pray. Pray. Uh, Pray the the plea of verse 1. God, be gracious. God, bless us. Shine your face on us. We don't deserve it. But we know that this is what you do for your people because of Jesus. 
You and I can do nothing for the Lord without his blessing, without his presence and power. And so pray, God, bless us as you've promised. Use your word as you've promised. Fulfill your promise to Abram. Raise up a harvest from all the earth. And pray together. Pray on your own, but pray together. Remember this prayer is bless us. Not bless me, bless us, your people, the church. Yes, pray this on your own. Pray with friends, with family, but pray with each other. And let us be a praying church. And pray also with passion, like you mean it. You sense some of the passion and the the strong desire here. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. It seems like they really want it. And they mean it. And they want it so much they keep asking. They, they repeat themselves. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise. Do you pray this way? Will you pray this way, brothers and sisters? Pray. Second, participate. Participate in God's purpose and in his mission. Link arms and and labor with each other, labor in and with the church. We've talked about this already, but the prayer is not bless, bless them. It's not bless the pastor, bless the parachurch, bless the, the distant missionary. Those are not wrong things to pray. It is bless us. Bless the people of God. Bless the new Israel. Bless the church. Bless us. But think about how this blessing comes. Fruit comes from sowing and from farming. And you can't do that without hard work, without getting your hands dirty. And so, brothers, are you working? Are you farming in this harvest that the Lord is bringing up in his world? How are you seeking to make the way of God known, the salvation of God known. We have to pray because it is God that gives the increase. He is the one that gives the growth. He gives the power, but he uses us. He uses you. And so how can you participate? Start right where you are, right where the Lord has placed you. You don't have to go to a distant nation. Who do you know in your circles right now who doesn't know God? who is not among the people of God, who doesn't have the face of God shining upon them. Friends, you know the one who can make them glad. You know the one who can make them sing and make them live forever. How can you make him known to them? How can you love them? How can you live before them in such a way that they see there is something different about you? They see the life-changing blessing of God in you. They see his face shining upon you in your life. How can you bring the word of God to them? How can you bring them to the word of God, to the worship of God, to the preaching of the gospel? Will you pray? Will you participate? Will you give your resources and your time, give of yourself? And and many of you are, are doing this. And I see it in your lives. And I want to encourage you in that press on, participating in the purpose of God. Keep at it. And as you pray and participate, also preach. 
uh, share the gospel as the Lord gives you opportunity for witness. But partly what I have in mind here is preach to yourself. Remind yourself of God's blessing you. God's saving you. Because the more amazed and thankful you are for that in, in your own life, the more you will want that for, oth- for others. And preach to yourself the promises of God. That's partly what they're doing here in Psalm 67. God our God shall bless us. The earth will yield. The earth has yielded its harvest. The gospel will take root. It will progress. The ends of the earth will fear. And so keep your eyes and your hearts fixed on those unseen, distant realities. That unseen, distant finish line. The victory. And preach these promises to yourself and others. And then fourth and finally, praise. Praise God. You are made to worship God. You've been saved to praise him. Are you a part of the people that this psalm talks about? Are you glad in the Lord? Do you sing for joy because God is king and he is guide? He is the just judge of all the earth. This is not just a call to those out there to sing. And to praise God. If God has blessed you, then you are and and you should be glad in him. Is his face shining on you through Jesus Christ? Then sing. Sing for joy. The world is not going to be attracted to a dry, thankless life. Have true joy and gladness in Christ. New life and let praise pour forth from your life. It is powerful and contagious. Sing praise to God. Sing this song. Make it your your prayer and your praise. Make your life an anthem of praise to the glory of God. Pray, participate, preach and praise. And if you're listening tonight, you're here and and you don't know really what we're talking about. Or or you, you hear this and you think, well, I don't have this joy. I don't have this gladness. I've not known the joy of praising God and his shining face. What does that mean? Well, look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look to the face of Christ. Repent of your sin. Know that that the judgment of verse 4 is really coming for those who do not turn away from their sins and, and cling to Jesus. The the call of Christ to salvation is here for you, and it's really a call to gladness and joy and praise. And so hear this call and believe and praise your creator. Know your creator and your redeemer and respond to him with joy and praise as you put your faith in him. People of God, brothers and sisters, Psalm 67 calls you to make God's purpose your purpose. The the purpose of history, the purpose of your story. Make his glory your aim. Has he shined his face on you through Jesus? Then praise him. Praise him and then seek others to join you. Let the peoples praise him. 
That's what you're invited to. That is what you're called to. And this is such a wonderful privilege and a high calling and an amazing joy to serve the living God, the King who shines his face on us through Jesus. Friends, live for and long for God's purpose of praise from all peoples. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we confess that so often our purposes and our plans are are not yours. And we are so self-centered. Lord, we are not glad in you because we are selfish. And we seek gladness and joy in the, the passing things of this life. Lord, let us be satisfied in you and in your love and in your salvation. And let us sing for joy. Let us praise you. And Lord, let the peoples praise you. Father, bless us so that we might be a blessing. Shine your face upon us and continue shining your face uh, to the ends of the earth. uh, That people might know uh, the way of salvation. They might know Jesus and put their faith in him. And they might know the joy of praising you forever. Father, we thank you and praise you that you have been fulfilling these very words. We thank you that Jesus is coming again. We thank you that you will not fail in your purposes or in your promises. And so, Lord, make us confident and prayerful. Use us for your purposes and your glory. And we do pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.